opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Alcina Lloyd, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today, you'll be joining us for our ninth episode of Honest Conversations, a mini-series on minority home ownership. In today's episode, I interview Timothy Demery, a real estate agent in San Francisco's Bay Area, about his experiences serving minority first-time homebuyers. But before you listen, here's a word from our sponsor. Caliber Home Loans is committed to helping customers at all stages of homeownership. Whether you're the first in your family to buy a home or just a first-time homebuyer, our focus is on getting you into the home of your dreams and helping you stay there. Contact Caliber Home Loans if you'd like to learn more. I'm your host, Alcina Lloyd, and today I will be speaking with a real estate professional about his experiences serving minority first-time home buyers. Timothy, before we dive into today's discussion, can you let us know more about your background, how did you enter the housing industry, and what has your experience been like? Yeah, um, so I'm from the Bay Area. I was born in Oakland, California, and I mean, I live in a place currently where the median home value is around a million dollars. I took my first real estate journey back in 2000 and I want to say 2011 or 2012. And I just wanted to learn more about financial wellness, financial independence. And so I took a couple classes at the local community college and it just so happened one was real estate and I just got addicted. I always felt like, you know, where I came from, the people who drove the fanciest cars or wear the nicest clothes or the best jewelry. I always felt like they were the wealthiest in my mind. And that, that real estate class just like turned that all the way around for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, you could be flashy and rich too, but it was just a whole different perspective. And I just got hooked. Fast forward, I ended up getting my broker's license. And now I'm in a space where just kind of do my investing on the side and support first-time home buyers as well. Well, that's an interesting background and something I'm sure a lot of people relate to. So for today's discussion, we're here to discuss minority first-time homebuyers and the challenges they may face when trying to enter the housing market. According to the National Association of Realtors 2020 Generational Trends Report, first-time buyers made up 33% of all homebuyers. Of this category, the 40 to 54 age group was the most racially diverse group of buyers in 2019. In this demographic, 21% identified as Hispanic, Latino, Black, or Asian. When looking at younger age groups, this number falls off. This is interesting considering that the millennial demographic is just so large. So my first question for you is, what is keeping young people of color from entering the housing market? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's a few factors. One is the price. I think a lot of millennials and Gen X, I think we're we're moving from this space of the American dream is to buy a home and live in it for 40 years to now maybe the American dream is to become an investor, whether that's investing in stocks, cryptocurrency, maybe a small real estate portfolio. So I think one is maybe, you know, maybe the hindrance isn't necessarily on the market itself, but more on the buyer. Um, so I would say that's one, that's one portion. Secondly, is just the prices alone. I mean, I, I, I spit in my intro that the median home value where I'm at is a million dollars. 
you know, it's hard to qualify for a loan to get pre-approved in general. You have to have, you know, certain documentation in place, your tax stubs, your paychecks, you know, your W-2s, if you have a W-2, your bank statements, et cetera. And I think that process can be overwhelming, especially if you don't have somebody coaching you through. So I would say the pre-approval process is two. And then third is that debt to income. I would say when calculating somebody's debt to income ratio, if you don't have, you know, maybe you have credit card, you know, credit card overages or um, student loan debt that you're sitting on, and that can become a hindrance when applying to get a loan and then, you know, to go forward and get a property. And I would say, and and just a last thing that kind of popped up on my mind is in an area like mine, you have to spend $600,000 to live and your home is going to be basically almost falling apart. Like you might have foundation issues, um, your roof is torn up. And and that's just not attractive for a first time home buyer because they might go through an FHA process and get an FHA loan, which doesn't even allow the structural issues to be that severe. And so I would say it's a few factors that's really hindering first time buyers, especially the millennial and Gen X generation. See, these are interesting facts to bring up, and this takes me to my next topic. So data shows the first-time homebuyer category includes many Americans that may be struggling with student debt. Um, when casting the light on who owes the most in loans, data indicates that Black women lead the charge. In fact, according to the American Association of University Women, on average, while white men borrow around $29,000 in student loans, the average Black woman is expected to borrow more than $37,000, which means that they hold more than two-thirds of America's nearly $1.5 trillion student loan debt. Um, as data shows women are now leading the charge in homeownership in America, I'm curious to how student loan debt impacts specifically Black women when attempting to enter the housing market. You mentioned finances in your last answer. So in your own words, what are some of the challenges they are facing financially? I'm curious on how these two relate. Yeah, I think when you say $1.5 trillion in debt, that's a lot of debt. Like when we're talking about student loans, car, real estate, whatever it is, that's a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. And so me, for example, because I can't speak for everybody, what I realize is like as a minority myself, and it's like oftentimes we're asked to speak for like the holistic minority group. So I can't speak for everybody, but I'll speak for myself. So like I was raised in a single parent household and I qualified for like different grants, like Pell Grant or, you know, whatever that the bulk fee waiver that was able to waive, but I still needed to take out student loans. And not all of my peers did. They might have came from, you know, a different a different background and, and, and their parents might have supported them throughout their college career or, you know, paid for their schooling, et cetera, and et cetera. Now, I would say that 26000 and 37000 to the naked eye, that's not much of a difference. $11,000 isn't that much of a difference. But when you multiply that by thousands and thousands of people... Now you get to really see, okay, $11,000 times, you know, 10,000. Now that's a big number. And so I would say the 26,000 and the 37,000, the reason why that number is critical is when you qualify for a loan or when somebody's going through that pre-approval process, the lender calculates your debt to income ratio. And for example, I was talking to a colleague of mine. She reached out and she was like, hey, T, I'm, I'm looking to qualify um, for a loan, but I reached out to a lender 
And my student loans right now are basically like a small house in itself. And I think when we talk about from start to finish or from cradle to career or cradle to college, you know, that portion, I think uh, I don't I don't want to label it, you know, for everybody. But for me, for example, I didn't necessarily have the financial skills in order to thrive. Like I got my first credit card at 18 and maxed it out, you know, because I just didn't know any better. I didn't have anybody coaching me through that process. And so I could imagine, you know, the student loans being one of the struggles just coming up. Like you want to do right. You know, you want to have some type of higher education and you don't necessarily know how to get there. And with student loans kind of being pushed down our throat, that's one way to to get your higher education. So um, so all that to say, debt to income ratio matters. And I tell I tell folks all the time that just kind of reach out to me, you know, looking looking at the market and kind of exploring whether they want to get pre-qualified or not, um, whether it's a black woman, you know, black man, you know, Hispanic male, whatever it might be. The majority of them have some type of student loan debt and wish that they didn't. So, um, you know, hopefully we have some young listeners on the line that maybe it maybe it takes going to that two years of community college or maybe it takes uh, maybe it takes working a part time job as well as you're going to school, whatever it takes to to decrease some of that student loan debt, some of that one point five trillion dollars of student loan debt. It's mandatory. Like we, we got to do it. Now, we've talked about what troubles minority first-time homebuyers may face when entering the market, but what type of solutions or education can be offered to them to encourage them to pursue the American dream of home ownership? There's some programs that people could qualify for in order to, you know, decrease some of that down payment, because sometimes that down payment could be the most critical part on why somebody can't, you know, purchase their own home. So I would say, you know, if if you're working with an experienced lender um, or just real estate professionals in general, they kind of know where to guide you in order to take advantage of you being a first time home buyer. So I would say just just making sure to get with experts. All right. So as we wrap today on the conversation, um, I say this every time, but I'd like to end on my favorite part of the interview. I like to ask each honest conversation guest the same two questions. What is your biggest area of concern of minority home ownership today? And what can the industry also do to close this gap? My biggest concern today is I, I've seen firsthand the effects of gentrification because our community didn't own their own homes. So we weren't able to take advantage of the appreciation, the price going up in that neighborhood because we rent in that neighborhood. Um, not saying everybody, but just saying the people that, that I was around. Again, I'm just speaking on my experience. So the people that I care and loved about, for example, if I'm in California, I'm in, you know, a, a major metropolitan city, Oakland, San Francisco, et cetera. Um, a lot of folks rented in those areas. The prices appreciated like crazy over the, the span of the last seven years. And those people, when they now were exploring home ownership, they were forced to go to areas like Stockton or they were forced to keep, you know, going past where the jobs were. 
and then commuting two hours into the city or into wherever, um, you know, the majority of employment or, you know, their own business was. So um, I would say, I would say to answer that, you know, my major concern for first time home buyers is just not pulling the trigger and just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and renting and renting. And then it's like, next thing you know, you have kids and you have responsibilities and you might not be in the same financial position. You bought a new vehicle and, you know, and it's just like, it's a vicious cycle. So I would say, you know, my main concern is just waiting. And what would you say to the industry so they could bridge this gap? That's a great question. And and I reflect on that question because I feel like, again, the people that I'm around are utilizing social media as their main way of consuming news and information. And so I would say the industry, we need to meet first-time buyers where they are in their learning and how they consume news instead of maybe, you know, making it over their head where we're using a whole bunch of crazy terms and this and that and throwing that information out, that's automatically going to go over their head. But like if we could make it fun, if we could, you know, utilize social media to do it, um, I think that's how the housing industry then connects to this first time buyer pool. All right. That was an excellent answer. I want to say thank you for joining us today on Honest Conversations. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing Housing Wire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. That's a wrap for today's episode of Housing Wire Daily. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, and join us again tomorrow.